all of which are missed. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 30 says this. But by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are our righteousness. That's not based on human behavior. We would all know that, but yet we function like that's not true. Father, I pray as we travel through these verses today and deal with some of these myths associated with righteousness, that you will lead us to the truth, that you will show us that only that which is true. And that, Father, if we've held, we've held some things to be true that are not, <clears throat> I pray that we'll be willing to lay those down. I thank you for guiding the way, for showing us your Son and bringing us into salvation. And I pray that the righteousness that's found in you, that's ours, that we'll embrace that as well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, one of the most prolific misconceptions or misunderstandings about righteousness is righteousness by progression. Some people believe we become more righteous the longer we walk with the Lord, applying His Word to our lives. That makes us more righteous when our behavior is more in line with the Word of God. Therefore, I am more righteous today than I was yesterday. The problem is that that does not line up with the Word of God. Now, I'm not encouraging you to, this is what Paul dealt with, and we're going to actually deal with these verses, to say, oh, then it doesn't matter how I live. That is also not true. Because if you're truly in Christ, you won't have that attitude. Because Christ, the Holy Spirit, prompts you on to godliness and holiness and the expression of who you are. Not to maintain it, not to keep it, not because you have to, but because it's a joy because you walk with Him. But righteousness by progression. We see in 1 Corinthians 1, uh, chapter 1 and verse 30, the first four words are, but by His doing. Who did it here? He did it. Not you. Not us. It's not a work that we come up with. It's by His doing that we receive what? Wisdom. See, we can't understand the things of God unless He shows them to us and gives us insight into them. It is by His doing that we receive wisdom. Righteousness. It is what He did and what He does when He gives us righteousness. It's a gift that comes from Him. It is by His doing that we are sanctified. And sanctification has a process to it. You walk through this process as the expression of who you really are shows more to the world. That sanctification, the word, uh, the process of sanctification is many times interchanged in our minds with righteousness. 
Now I'm more righteous because I'm living more righteous. And the truth is you're 100% righteous. And the expression of that comes over time as sanctification takes place in your life. And redemption. We do not save ourselves. See, we all have no problem with that. We have no problem saying that God has to do that. We have no problem saying that God has to clean us up. We have no problem saying that in our own mind, in our own strength, we can't just understand the mysteries of God. But when it comes to righteousness, we want to think that we have something to do with it. And I don't, I don't think it always comes out of a bad heart. I think sometimes it comes out of a grateful heart. A desire to give back to God. But what he said is obedience is better than sacrifice. And so if we would focus on obedience and following him instead of what we can come up for him, we're going to experience the righteousness that he gave us. Romans 5, 17 says this, For if by the transgression of one death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So we received death through Adam. We all accept that, right? Without question. We're born as sinners into this world. No one had to teach you to do the wrong thing. It just came naturally. Matter of fact, your parents tried to teach you to do the right thing. Because that wasn't natural for us. We all have no problem. We're very comfortable with the idea that we're sinners and that we fall short. Anybody doubt that or question that? We receive that with, with no problem at all. But he says here that through Christ we receive grace and the gift of righteousness. So just like through Adam we received the gift of a sin nature. That we have no problem believing that's who we were. Through Christ we received the gift of righteousness. Which we go well but I do this and this and this and so I doubt that. And that's not what God's word is about. See. It's a gift, folks. It's a gift. Have you ever handed somebody a gift and then they pulled out a $20 bill and tried to pay you for the gift? Anybody ever done that? Wouldn't that be a little bit offensive, right? Depending on the person. <laughs> we receive the gift and it becomes ours. We don't work to earn. A gift can't be earned. If you earn it, it's what? It's a wage. If you do anything to earn it, it becomes a wage. It could be an unfair wage to the employer if it's a big gift or if it's any gift and you barely do anything for it. But it's a wage and this says it's a gift. And so through Christ we receive the gift of righteousness. All we have to do is enjoy it Accept it and enjoy it. The fact that we're actually righteous. See, we have, we have, <laughs> we must not associate righteousness with behavior. 
Righteousness is not tied to behavior. Righteousness is tied to identity. It's tied to who we are in Christ. And so that's right, that's the the misunderstanding of righteousness by progression. The, the better I act, the more righteous I am. No, that's not true. It's not true. Because if we're not 100% righteous, we're not saved. Because we don't have the right to stand in the presence of God. We're not clothed in the blood of Christ. So you actually are 100% righteous if you've been saved. So that's righteousness by progression. Next we see righteousness by position. Righteousness by position is the idea... That I'm only positionally righteous. I've not been made righteous. It's only the way God sees me. So God just sees me as righteous. This is also a misunderstanding. Romans 5.19 For as through the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one the many were made righteous. But by his doing... You are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness. So we see the same language used. We talked about this a moment ago, but we see the same language used for sinners and righteous and how that passes. And so if we are going to interpret this correctly... We have to follow this line of thinking. So let me ask you a few questions. Are all men sinners literally or positionally? Are we just positionally sinners or are we literally sinners? We're literally sinners. Believe me. I was literally a sinner. I actually sinned. It wasn't just positionally. It wasn't just sin wasn't being applied to me just because... I was alive. I was literal. The next question. If we have no problem accepting we are sinners, why is it difficult to accept that we are righteous? I'm going to tell you what I think the problem is. We hold to this idea of self-improvement. And we associate it mistakenly with righteousness and not sanctification. See, sanctification... <laughs> pay attention. <laughs> sanctification is the unwrapping of your righteousness. It's the revealing of your righteousness to the world through you. All right, I'll hurry up. <laughs> if good deeds, think about, it, think about it like this. If good deeds don't fix my sinfulness, right? Don't wipe out my sinfulness. Why would bad deeds wipe out my righteousness? 
They're parallel. And yet we hold, the, we hold these things that are just not true. And we cannot live that way. We cannot live that way. To consistently interpret this verse, if we accept that we're sinners, we must accept that we're actually righteous and not positional, just positionally righteous. And so that's righteousness by progression. Righteousness by position. Like I'm just positionally righteous, not actually. Like I didn't really do something when I was saved. Now we have righteousness by confession. Lots of Christians struggle with this myth or misunderstanding. This view believes that we maintain our righteousness by keeping our sins confessed. You've got to stay confessed up to be righteous. James, if you hold this view, you're going to be in big trouble here in a minute. James 4.17 says this. Therefore, to the one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. How much has God instructed us to do that you're not doing? Where do we begin on the list? Do I have a volunteer? Have you confessed every bit of that? Have you gone before God and said, and could, listen, If this view were true, we'd spend our whole life confessing. That's all we would ever do. But yet we believe this. You know, what happens if I sin at the moment I die? You ever wonder that? What if I'm involved? What if I'm speeding? And I hit the guardrail and die. Luckily, nobody else was killed but me. Do I go to heaven or hell? This view would send you to hell. What if I'm doing drugs and I OD? What if I'm sinning the moment I die? If I committed suicide, we would all agree that's a sin. Do I go to heaven or hell? It's an easy answer. If you put your faith in Christ and He saved you, you go to heaven. If you didn't, you go to hell. But isn't that the ultimate sin? You think that's the ultimate sin? <coughs> the Bible says there's only one sin that there's no forgiveness of, and that's the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Well, that's using God's name in vain, and I don't do that. That's not what that is. I've heard that before. You know what the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is? Are y'all familiar with this? You know what it is? It's when the Holy Spirit shows up and says, you're a sinner. And he reveals Christ to you. And you say no. There, after that, is no hope of finding another way. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no way to get to the Father except through me. And so to blaspheme him is to say what you're saying is not true and I'm not going to do it. That's what the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit's about. 
Can you imagine? This is an exhausting view. You know, and did I mess up? I had a bad thought. I got to confess that. You know, I plotted a little bit. I shouldn't have done that. That teacher made me mad. And man, you know, these thoughts came into my mind. I entertained them for a minute because it kind of felt good. But now, you know, I got to confess that. I think teachers would be confessing all the time. That kid in my class, oh. That means I would have been encouraging my teachers' prayer lives when I was in school. Righteousness by confession is a myth. This could not be what God intended. This would make, well, follow me. This would make our righteousness probationary. It would be probationary. Your probation has been revoked. And not eternal. So we've seen righteousness by progression. In other words, the more I act righteous, the more righteous I am, which is a myth. We've seen righteousness by position. It's just how God sees me. I'm not actually righteous. It rejects. I could have done the whole thing on just that one. Because we're a new creation in Christ. Righteousness by confession. I've got to be confessed up. Be confessed. Now listen, if the Holy Spirit convicts you, confess it. If he convicts you, confess it. Move on. But now we see righteousness by association. This view believes that it's not us who are righteous, it's only Jesus in us. Like a cloak, he cloaks us. And we're covered in his righteousness. You ever heard that in church? This is like finding a bar of gold in a trash can. We're the trash can and he's the bar of gold. It rejects the work that God did in us. See, you're a new creation in Christ. Now, I'm going to read Proverbs. I'm going to read for you Proverbs 23 and verse 7. Honestly, and I've caught heat over this verse, but I just don't care because I know what God's word says. For as he thinks within himself, so is he. He says to you, eat and drink. But his heart is not with you. So what is he talking about? See, people consistently behave in a way that matches what they believe about themselves. Doesn't make what they believe true. What it does, if I believe that I'm just a sinner saved by grace, then it's okay. I know I'm going to sin. I may as well just go ahead and participate anyway. That's all I am. Or if I believe that I'm trapped by a certain sin, then there's no way out. I may as well give in. Or if I believe that I've got this struggle and I'll always have this struggle the rest of my life, then I may as well just give in to it and accept the fact that it's there. And we react and respond. We walk our Christian life based upon misunderstandings like this and it, it steals our victory from us. Well, he just has a lead foot. 
So he drives fast. No, it's not. It's a decision. That accelerator goes all the way up and all the way down. Well, that's just how I relate to people. No, it isn't. It's a choice. How you treat others is a choice. It doesn't matter who they are. Sorry, but that's, I mean, I'm sorry to myself, too. <laughs> I can choose to be nasty or I can choose to be pleasant. And you know what? You know what we choose? You know which path we usually pick? Is the one that makes our world better. Not the one that glorifies him. Though the one we feel more comfortable in and less messed with. That's ungodly, folks. Now we're back to sanctification. So people believe in a, uh, people consistently behave in a way that matches with what they believe about themselves. If you think you can't do it, you don't do it. Do we have any Survivor fans, the TV show? Anybody watch one? Any people that were Survivor fans at one time and it's kind of gotten old now? One of the things that you hear consistently from the people that participate on there is, I never thought I could do this. I never thought I could do that. I did this to challenge myself. And they've learned. And where's my military folks? How many of you guys that went... Look, thank you. God bless you all. Thank you for your service. How many of you learned that you could do more than you thought by going through basic training? Yeah. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Okay, forget the survival thing. <laughs> right? And that what SEAL training is about, pushing them to the limit so they see how far they can go. This is why the enemy attacks us at our identity. Because what we believe about ourselves is how we interact with God himself. This is why. Romans 6, I told you we would get here. Romans 6, verses 1 through 7. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin, why are we worried about something that we're dead to? How are we who died to sin still live in it? That's the mystery, right? Isn't it a great mystery how we still sin at all? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus, that's salvation, have been baptized into his death? And he's asking, do you not know that? Because people are acting and living like they don't know that. They don't know that they've also died to it. See, it's a misunderstanding. Verse 4. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, salvation, 
certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection with power over sin and death. Knowing this, that our old self, your old man, your sin nature, your bad dog, was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with. So that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. You are free from sin. It has no place. It has no power. You don't ever have to do it again. According to if you believe these verses. And so we're dead, we're free. You have new life in Christ. So live it. Live it. Enjoy what God did for you. When He saved you. When He set you apart. When He gave you a brand new brand new spirit. That old spirit's gone. The enemy wants to lie to you. He is in, he is a master at lying to us. That's part of why we talked about the Holy Spirit so we could begin to discern. The difference between the enemy and the Holy Spirit. Because the enemy wants, he presents himself as an angel of light, of illumination. Let me show you the way. That's what he did with Eve. Eve, there's something God's holding out on. There's more for you. You need to do this. Work harder. Try harder. Do this to be more like God. But we are free from sin. We're free from it. It does not have a hold on you anymore. And you're like, but I still struggle, right? Isn't that what we're saying out there? We say this stuff in our mind and heart, and the reason I know that is because I've said it. And I'm still saying some of it, even though when I know it's true. But I'm still struggling with this. And I'm going to tell you why we struggle. Okay, you ready? I'm going to tell you why that's happening. It's because your flesh that has not been redeemed, this is not brand new. Look around. This is not new. It still wants sinful things. And your mind was taught by your old man how to react to life. And you're still believing some of the things that it taught you. That's why the, the Bible tells us that we're to be, that our mind is to be renewed by the washing of the word. If our mind has to be renewed, it hasn't been renewed yet. And so he renews it through his word. That's where his word sets our minds straight. Where we can begin to shuck some of these things away. That don't belong here. You know what it means to shuck? <laughs> That's a, yeah. Have you ever heard that? Not like, oh, shucks. But I'm not doing that again. But shuck, like peel the stuff off the corn to get to the good stuff. We're to shuck this stuff that's keeping what's inside hidden. It's time to strip it off. So as we address these misunderstandings, we realize a few things. If our Christian experience has been mediocre, it may be because we're believing things about ourselves that aren't true. 
Anybody here? Had, had, I'll go first. Anybody here ever would have described your Christian walk as mediocre? <laughs> I have been there. And the enemies of master at bringing lies into our mind and what we believe is true. We rely on it and it doesn't work. And then what he does is he says there's something wrong with you. And we believe that too because that's been our experience. Instead of saying, wait a minute, maybe what I'm believing isn't true. What does God's word say? We don't go back to the word. And we just accept it. And we say, well, this is just what the Christian experience is like. And we, get, we either give up or we, we settle in for less than what God has for us. And so you better find out if what you believe is actually true because you're getting ripped off, folks. And you're letting them do it. You're letting them do it. I say enough. I don't like getting ripped off. we address these misunderstandings we realize let me ask you this question what could your life be like if you embraced who God says you are what if for a moment I went into this world tomorrow or this afternoon or in an hour or in 20 minutes Or maybe 15. If everybody said amen. Amen. Yes. Just like. <laughs> and I said, man, I am righteous. I represent. I'm actually righteous. I actually am not tied to that garbage. That's really not a part of me. It's been plaguing my mind for so long. I stand free. And I walk into the store. Now my attention can be on what God might be wanting me to do or say to somebody. And I bump into somebody I haven't seen in a long time. And a conversation sparks up. Or something happens. Somebody drops something off the shelf. And I just reach to pick it up. And a conversation starts. We both laugh. And you don't know what he's been doing in their life and prepping them for. And you go, well, that's kind of intrusive. I don't really know that. I haven't talked to them forever. But God has been talking to them. He doesn't just talk to you. He talks to them also. What if we believe we're righteous and so we're not apprehensive to go and talk to the Lord? Say, I don't talk so good. I don't care. It's time spent. It's a joy to be in his presence. You don't go in with fear and, oh, he's going to see all these bad things. He knows all the bad things. He knows that awful, horrible thing I did that nobody knows about or maybe three people know about. And he's judging me. He's a God. He's going to sit sitting up and he's just ready to crack the whip on me. We're going to address that coming up too. We have a big misconception of who God is. Big one. That puts barriers 
first thing that, one of the first that he, uh, the devil lied to Eve about who she was, but he also lied about who God was. In that lie was the idea that God was holding out on her. God does not hold anything from you. He doesn't withhold anything. We feel like it because we want certain things that he hasn't given us yet. Why don't we explore what he's actually given us and see where that takes us? What would our life be like? What if we knew when it was time to stop sharing the gospel? Have you ever been in that situation? We go, well, get to a decision. Get to a decision. That's the Baptist way. You know what? I want to go the Holy Spirit's way. If the Holy Spirit tells me to stop, I need to stop. <laughs> I don't care about the little box on the report. Who cares? I care that his record that I'm in line with. You guys are going to have an experience of the power of God that you actually already have expressed through your life. Isn't that what we're here for? Isn't that what we long for? Let's strip the lies out. Let's say, what if it's true? What if it's true? What would my life be like? Third, we realize if we spend our time seeking Him and believing He can do great things through us, we wouldn't even have time to worry about temptation or sin we might commit. We're so afraid we're going to go sin. We're so afraid that we're going to do that. Or maybe we're not afraid. Maybe we just don't care. Oh, you know, we've got to find a way to get sin out of our life. Sin's out of your life. No, it isn't because, well, if it's still operating, then there's a false belief you're holding on to is true. Right? From what we've read today. Is that true? Yes. I know you're struggling with it because you have it. You have that stuff. And it's stripping you from everything God has for you. It's stripping us from investing in our friends. From bringing them to church. From investing. From serving in ministry. From praying to God. From being afraid of Him. It's stripping it away. And we're, we're losing every minute that we don't embrace the truth. We're being robbed and we're letting them in. We're giving them the key. We don't have time to sit around and worry about a sin we're going to commit. We need to be on God's business. Life is but a vapor, and we're going to spend all of it worrying about, I could do this wrong thing. And you know what? If I go do the wrong thing, <clears throat> was that handled before I even did it? Yeah. Yeah, because it's not, it's not righteousness by confession. All right, so now that's out of the way, let's listen and obey. Well, I'll say, might say the wrong thing. Some of you might. It's okay. I don't know about you, but I've said the wrong thing to people. 
You ever said the wrong thing with good intentions? You ever said the, the wrong thing with bad intentions? Welcome to the crowd, so now that's out of the way. You know, there was a man who went to, uh, he was racing to the airport for, to, to catch his flight. This guy was kind of a local VIP, if you will. And he got there, and he sat at the gate for an hour and a half. And he got so frustrated, his flight had been delayed, he had connections to make. And he went up to the gate, and he was having a conversation with the gate attendant, and he says, look, I've got to get to so-and-so. I've got to get to this city. I need you to move me to another flight or something like that, or bump somebody. And she's telling him everything. She looks her, we're doing our best. You know, we want you to make your connections. We're doing everything we can. And the man was just getting more perturbed. And he finally said, Ma'am, do you know who I am? And she grinned a little bit. She said, Hold on just a moment, sir. And she picked up the phone. And she hit the mic button. And she said, May I have your attention? May I have your attention? I have a gentleman here who does not know who he is. If anybody knows who he is, could they come up and clear this up for him? The man sheepishly went and sat down. And that was the end of that. We need to know who we are, folks. We need to know who we are. We need to know what God did when he saved us. We need to live in that. And not keep compromising. Not give the farm away. We're giving it away. I want to lock arms with you guys in ministry and impact this community. We're not doing it. And it's because there's things that are stripping this away. There's things that are stripping away what's true. There's something very special here. In addition to the Holy Spirit, in addition to you, there's something very special that God is doing. The enemy doesn't want God's people being free. If he can bind them up where they're hunting for a church that meets their needs instead of a place where they can serve and the expression of what God called them to, then he's changed their focus to self instead of Christ. See, we don't need to ask what you have to offer me. If that church has nothing to offer you, maybe you need to join to be a part of what is needed. And if you're wondering what's needed, come see me. I'll tell you this. Two people with the right heart, God can turn the world upside down with them. We go, well, we're not that big. We have every excuse in the book. I'm so sick of it, of listening to that garbage. Me and God are <laughs> alone are enough. I'm not encouraging you to test that theory, but I want to do it together. We've got a couple more things to get in place, and then we're going to be moving into the community. Many of you have spoken to me about that already. We need to get outside these four walls. Amen. 
Amen. And everybody said, Amen. And oh my. That's our calling, folks. How long has it been since you invited a friend? How long has it been since you were proud to invite a friend? And let's ask the ouch questions, right? If we're going to be honest, let's be honest about all of it. And I'm going to look at some honesty in my life. God's been confronting me about things. And I'm going to deal. I'm dealing with it right in front of you. It's okay. Because the truth is the truth, right? And if I don't submit to it, how can I expect you to? I'm going to say everybody to bow their head and close their eyes.